Welcome to the Truth and Grace Counseling Podcast. Truth and Grace Counseling exists to provide clarity from a biblically informed perspective in order to help individuals engage life faithfully. Let's go. The Meat Section. Hello, 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 and welcome to another solo meat section. Giving this another try, again, let me know if you absolutely hate this, and I'll stop doing it, but um, anyways, I enjoyed this solo meat section as much as I love getting to meet with other people during the meat section, learning new people's stories, and don't get me wrong, I've got a lot of people lined up and will continue to do it, but I like the solo meat section just because this is kind of just my time to just kind of bear things out. I'd like to do my writings and and blog post form, but sometimes it's nice to just to be able to to speak it out loud. And um, you don't need to know this, but I I don't really have a full script that I go off on these. I kind of do an outline. Um, But sometimes I I go down roads that I don't really think I'm going to go down. So anyways, um, let me know your, your thoughts on these solo meat sections. Before I get into kind of the the meat of the meat section, um, I'm going to uh, do another meat-related question for myself. I'm kind of getting this idea. If you've ever watched the uh, the Babylon Bee podcast, uh, kind of a, just a most of you probably know what the Babylon Bee is, but uh, the the podcast again it discusses some serious things, but it's generally pretty lighthearted and and funny for the most part. But they always have a list of 10 questions that they ask all of their guests. And it doesn't matter what the guest is, the 10 questions, they stay the same. But if the, the guest comes back another time, they have a second list of 10 questions. That's different from the first one. So I'm kind of game planning and thinking of how to do that in my own podcast. Cause you know, I ask all my guests what their favorite kind of meat is. And I'm sure some of these guests are going to reappear at some point. And I I don't want to just ask them the same question, but I still want it to be meat related. Um, So I've been brainstorming that and I'm not entirely sure if I'm going to make this uh, permanent or not. But what I have for now that I'm asking myself, since I've already done a solo meat section, is what is a kind of a controversial meat related take that you have? This isn't my answer, but for instance, it might be like, I don't like bacon. Again, I don't believe that, <laughs> but if somebody did believe that, that would obviously be a pretty controversial take. Most people really like bacon. So here's my controversial take of the day. I think that turkey in most instances can replace beef. Now, before you get the pitchforks at me, don't get me wrong. There are some things that beef just stands on its own. Like you're, you're not going to have a, like a, like a turkey steak or something you know that's just going to be the same thing as a, as a great ribeye steak or whatever um but where you may really disagree with me on and i'm okay with this is i think that i think that regular hamburger just your, your normal hamburger don't get me wrong i think it is better with ground beef and everything i do but 
for pound for pound and for the health benefits and everything with turkey being a leaner meat, I think turkey can either be right up close to the beef burger, um, but with the health benefits, just with taste, but with the health benefits, I think it's right there, um, right there on equal footing. And generally, turkey, ground turkey is pretty inexpensive. Now, here's the thing about turkey is, again, it is a leaner meat. So you have to be a little bit more aggressive with it. This is just my own opinion. A little bit more aggressive with some of your seasonings. Um, Maybe you put a little bit of olive oil or something like that in it. Um, Just because it, it, again, beef has more of a natural flavor to it. I'm I'm not debating that. But there are ways that you can flavor up the, the turkey and I've mentioned before, I have a wood pellet grill, uh, put some turkey burgers on the, the wood pellet grill, let it smoke a little bit. And I'm telling you, those are really darn good burgers. And they are, again, not that expensive, a little bit healthier for you. Um, again, you got to spruce it up a little bit. So I'm not trying to say that it's the healthiest thing in the world, but um, the way that I make it anyways. But anyways, it it's pretty good. So you can get your pitchforks again, call me uh, blasphemy or whatever saying that I'm blasphemous, but I'm telling you, Turkey can do a lot. And, and it's not just burgers. Like we've done some, um, some taco meat and things like that with it. Again, don't think of this as like the, uh, the best of all time type of thing. I'm talking about your, it's Wednesday, middle of the week, and you just want to make a meal that tastes pretty good, but on a budget, and we all know how expensive meat is nowadays. Don't underestimate turkey. Ground turkey can do some really good work. Um, and same thing, even just with uh, your your lunch meat with turkey, it, it can go pretty good long way. And also your your typical Thanksgiving type of turkey. Which is another thing that many of you, you're like, well, I mean, turkey at Thanksgiving, that's fine and all, but it's a pretty dry meat and things like that. No. If you, this last Thanksgiving and and Christmas, um, we did a turkey on the, again, the wood pellet grill. Go out and get you a wood pellet grill. They're fantastic. And anyways, uh, it turned out so juicy. I mean, just incredibly better than your, your typical oven type of, uh, type of bird. Um, and some of the reason of that is just because, um, typically we overcook our meat, um, in the oven like that. Uh, I think I mentioned this on my last solo meat section that when you, when you put the, uh, the turkey or whatever in the oven and it's got the um, particularly turkey when it's got the pop-up thermometer thing that m- most turkeys like that have it works and, and that temperature is a safe temperature but generally that safe temperature is makes it to where it's a little too overdone again i don't want you to eat raw bird raw poultry that's bad for you but um if you slow cook something it can actually come out at a little bit of a lower temperature um and even if you take it out at the same temperature um and and it kills all that bacteria if you just let it go at that low and slow temperature like you do in the smoker. I'm telling you, the juices and things like that that stay in a lot more, it is way better. Um, actually, I had a friend, I had a post that was like, if you uh, aren't smoking your turkey, you're doing it wrong or something like that. And I had a friend that told me that I was doing it wrong and that you should fry the turkey, which 
I'm not dissing him. Um, I've not tried that yet. I've heard great things. Um, now, obviously, you're not going to get a whole lot of health benefit in, uh, in the fried turkey. But let me know if you've tried turkey in other ways other than just your put roasted in the oven turkey for Thanksgiving or Christmas or whatever. Have you made turkey burgers? Have you uh, fried a, a turkey? Um, let me know because I'm telling you, uh, turkey is a lot more versatile than you think it is. So that's kind of my controversial take. Let me know what your thoughts on that are. All right. So kind of getting into more of the uh, topic of what I had in mind for the solo meat section. It's going to talk about depression and depression specifically for Christians. So I have a recent blog post that I'm kind of basing this uh, this outline of, of this podcast from, and the the pod or sorry the blog title is how can a Christian deal with depression? So depression is obviously something that affects can affect anybody. Um, just because you are a Christian, sometimes we believe, well, since I'm a Christian, I'm not going to deal with any mental health type of issues. I'm, I, I don't have to deal with anxiety, depression, whatever. And that's just not true. Um, some people are going to be just more predisposed to depression, anxiety, all those mental health issues. And some Christians just deal with hard things. Um I'm not entirely sure what the order of this podcast is going to be yet, so bear with me. But um, I've got some guests lined up that are talking about some really hard issues, um, traumatic type of experiences in their childhood. And just because that individual is a Christian doesn't mean that they're not going to experience any type of mental health issues. That's that's just inaccurate. And, and in fact, if you look at a lot of the, the Psalms, um, you'll hear people crying out, um, David and, and all these psalmists crying out to God, like, where are you? What What is going on? And, and many of these um, are writing during a time when Israel's in exile and just bad things are happening. So that's kind of the first point is, is Christians are not immune to depression. So we need to have that understanding going in that some people live in kind of a I don't know if you want to call it a, a prosperity gospel type of mindset or whatever, that if I'm a believing Christian, essentially nothing terrible is going to happen to me and I'm always going to be happy. And that's, again, that's just not true. All that being said, let's kind of walk through some ways that a Christian can deal with depression. I lined this out in the blog post and, and it kind of sounds contradictory because I just mentioned that, you know, just because a Christian is dealing with depression doesn't mean that, you know, anything that they're necessarily doing anything wrong. But that being said, they first, we first need to check ourselves. Is there any type of sin that I have not confessed? Is there some type of sin that I am being unrepentant on? Are, are there specific tasks that I need to do that I know that I need to do? Maybe uh, talking to my spouse and apologizing about a yelling at my spouse, or uh, if I am, goodness, um, particularly for, for the men, but honestly, for the women out there too, um, are you uh, engaging in pornography? Is that something that is going on? And it's been this secret sin in your life for so long, and it's really causing some havoc there kind of underneath the surface. Uh, other people don't see it, but you really feel that. You feel that guilt. You feel that shame. That is some unrepentant sin, and you need to confess that. And 
this is something where I think the world really gets um, mixed up on. They'll look at a Christian and say, like, again, well, just since I use pornography, let's say that they're viewing pornography. And they'll view, the world will view, the problem with that person isn't the fact that they're viewing pornography. It's the fact that they're feeling shame over that pornography usage. And the shame itself is the problem, not the act of pornography. And this is where we need to be very careful about some of the the worldly advice that is given to Christians, um, which I don't believe all worldly um, advice from uh, mental health professionals or whatever. I don't believe that it's all bad. I think there's there's some direction that can be helpful, even if it's from somebody that's not a Christian perspective. But we don't want to fully demonize those emotions, that guilt, that shame that we feel. Um, now, there are going to be times that we feel those things and it's not a helpful way and what, how we deal with it is not helpful. I, absolutely. but. If that shame that I'm feeling, if I'm viewing pornography, if I was yelling at my spouse, um, if I just have this unrepentant sin that I know is going on, then that shame, that guilt, in a sense, and I want to be very careful with how I say this, but in a sense is a good thing. It's not good to stay there. Again, I don't want to miscommunicate that. We don't want to stay in that shame, that guilt, um, and, and not do anything with it. But oftentimes, that is that conviction, P- particularly from a from a Christian. We might need to look at that and say, that could be the Holy Spirit within me really convicting me of my sin. So if there is something very specific there, then that's that first step is confess. Uh, first, obviously, confess to to God, uh, being prayerful. Hey, I know I'm watching this pornography. I know I'm not being loving towards my spouse. I am sorry. Seek that forgiveness. Confess those sins. I am not deserving of this love, uh, of the sacrifice of Christ for my sins. But you did. You did save me from my sins. And and that's that's the joy part. And we'll get a little bit more into that later. But we got to start with that confession, because if you're a believing Christian and you have something, you know that you're doing wrong. Not, not some of these. There are times where we, we have to dig a little bit deeper. We may not be entirely sure. But if you know, then you need to confess it. Uh, I do have some some verses here. Uh First John 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Um, then we have uh, James 5.15, and this goes into um, asking others, um, going out to others and asking for forgiveness. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. So, not only do we need to confess to God, although that's important and spoiler alert, whether you confess or not, he knows. So we might as well just be open about that. But I'm not going to say that there's never a time that your sin doesn't affect other people. It just affects you. Um, but that's that's the rarity. That is not the rule. Um, that that is the exception. So more than likely, that sin that maybe no one else knows about, it's probably affecting somebody else in some way, shape, or form. And 
to that degree that it is, we need to to seek that forgiveness, um, to apologize to that individual, and show repentance, show that we are not going to do that anymore, um, or, or at least um, show a, a a plan. This is how I plan on not doing this. Some type of action. Um, we, we don't just want to say, you know, if I yell at my wife and say, well, I'm sorry. <laughs> you, you know, that that I'm not saying that's a bad first step, but there needs to be something else there. Uh, I'm sorry, honey. I took that out on you because I had a hard day at work. That's not right. I really need to work on how I address that anger at work. Maybe I need to talk to my boss about whatever's going wrong that's making me angry at work. Maybe I need to do a better job when I come home from work that I'm going to go take a walk and make sure that I calm myself down. Those are very actionable steps that things that I can do. So using those words, yes, that's a good starting place, but then have some action that backs up with that. Again, right now we're really talking about things that we know that we're doing wrong. Um, we need to confess that sin. And I'm not going to tell you that at that point, your depression, um, if, if you're dealing with that, is just going to go away. But if we have unrepentant sin that's going on in our lives, you're going to feel the effects of that. So I know sometimes Christian counselors will get a bad rap. It's like uh, we just if somebody has depression, well, just pray it away. And to a degree, there's like, okay, that there can be some laziness that we're not really going deeper. And we'll, we'll talk about some more of those root cause issues here in a bit. But we want to start with the sim more simple answer there. And, and if that simple answer is I am not um, confessing, I'm not dealing with this sin that I know is there in my life. Let's start there first. Let's start there first and see where that takes you. Um, and we may not have to go through some of the other steps if we just get that uh, unrepentant sin um, taken care of. Now, second part, um, we need to address what the root cause of whatever is going on. So I kind of used this as an example earlier of the unrepentant sin, but it can go deeper for just the root cause that if I am having issues at work and I'm also at home. Maybe I'm just, I'm not myself. I'm not, maybe I'm not sleeping well. I'm a little bit more agitated. I'm not going out with my friends and family as much. Some of those more prototypical signs of depression. Uh, sometimes we can go towards something real quick and say, well, I just didn't sleep well. That, that That's the problem. And that could be it. I'm not saying that that can't ever be an issue for some of the, the issues, symptoms you're having in your life. But oftentimes why you're not sleeping well is because of something else that's going on, something deeper. We want to get to the root cause. And this is something that generally is, again, this can be sin related, but generally there's going to be something else that's going on. Um, for instance, if I am struggling with relationships and Let's say I'm dealing with somebody that's in their 20s and they will date somebody for a while. But when things start to get serious, maybe we're looking towards a, a commitment to marriage. They break it off with somebody and they might come to me in my office and say, why? Why am I doing this? What's going on? And I don't always know that answer, but if we get dig a little bit deeper, 
what was going on in their life? Did did their parents divorce often? Um, did did they have step parents that were coming in and out? Um, did they have a serious relationship prior? Maybe they were engaged prior and then that other person broke broke it off with them. Have they learned that the closer I get to people, the more that they're going to hurt me? These are all root causes for potential relationship issues. And I'm not one that thinks that we need to go back into the past for every little issue. Um, there, there's uh, some kind of stereotypical things in movies often when, when you have a psychologist or a, uh, a counselor or whatever, where you have the client that's laying back on the, the couch. I'm sure you've seen this in some movies somewhere. And they're going back, talking about their mother and father and all their childhood stuff. And Again, I think by and large, that's probably not very helpful to just relive every little thing. However, if there are issues that are unresolved from the past, whether it's from your childhood or whether it's from something that happened last week, and we've not come to a healthy resolution there, then it's going to affect things right here and now. If you have the belief system that if I love somebody, eventually they're just going to stab me in the back. Maybe your past experiences have lived that out. And we need to get to the root cause of that and come to a healthier conclusion, which might be, for instance, I have had that happen to me. Maybe my parents weren't a good example of what a healthy marriage is like. But that doesn't mean that that's not available for me. That would be an example of a way to get to that root cause of why I might be feeling this way and then working ourselves from that direction. Now, that root cause, it may not be an experience that's an issue. Maybe it is something that is biological. Um, oftentimes in your your intake session for a um, for a counseling um appointment. They'll talk about family history, family mental health history, especially, but also physical history. If there's a family mental health history of anxiety, for instance, you're going to be more predisposed to that. Now, again, it doesn't necessarily mean you have to have anxiety, but that anxiety that you're feeling, there might not be a one experience that, oh, that I got into a bad car wreck and then that anxiety really came in, which happens. But it might just be that anxiety's always kind of been there. So that root cause doesn't necessarily have to be a specific action or, or experience. It could just be your biology. Now, we don't want to use that as an excuse, which I do see sometimes where, well, I've just always been depressed. I've always been anxious. There's nothing I can do to help that. It's really not true. Um, that that might always be a struggle. Sure. And it's okay to admit that. but. Oftentimes, that is just kind of a learned hopelessness type of excuse, um, and, and it's really not helpful. So sometimes even if we address that root cause and it is biological, um, yeah, it, it could be a difficult thing to work with, but we still need to put ourselves in the best position. And that kind of leads into my next point here of being active. Um, this is really simple and Everyone listening to this probably understands this, but just because it's simple doesn't mean that it's always easy to do. I'll, I'll use that phrase often in, in counseling. Most everything that I talk about with my clients is pretty simple. Um, like if somebody was abused, that was bad. 
<laughs> you know, like that's, it's not a difficult concept to understand, but just because it's simple doesn't mean that it's easy. It's simple to realize that that person was abused and it's simple to realize that their parents shouldn't have done that to them or whatever, but it's not easy to convince yourself that you're not in that situation and that you are in a safe place. Um, so we don't want to conflate those things just because something is simple doesn't mean that it's easy to accomplish. And that's what I'm getting at with being active. Again, it's simple. We want to develop a healthy schedule. Are you staying up till three o'clock in the morning every morning? Are you sleeping in till one o'clock in the afternoon? Are you exercising? Are you eating healthy? Are you working too much? Are you not working at all? All of those things are important questions to ask. And we want it to have a very consistent, healthy schedule in your life. And again, that's going to be some physically active things. If you are dealing with depression, especially, you have to be exercising. That that. Why that is not talked about more in mental health uh, issues is beyond me. Um, it should be absolutely mandatory in any type of depressive issue that you are incorporating physical exercise into your regimen. Absolutely mandatory. Now, when I say physical exercise, and you don't have to be a CrossFitter and running five miles or or whatever. You can, you know, running and, and things like that is really helpful. But this could be something as simple as going out and walking and getting your mail. Um, I, I've worked with senior adults before. And obviously, when we're talking about physical exercise, some of these are in, the, in nursing homes and things like that. You're going to be limited, you know, like 88 year old. I, I don't want you going out and running 10 miles. You know, that, that's not a good thing. But could you do some chair exercises? Could you get a jar or a can of tomatoes and, and do some curls with that tomato can? Yeah, you can do that. Even watching TV. If you're, you probably can't see this on camera, but I'm kicking my legs up and down. Um, I, I teach some of my senior adults to do that. Um, you need to be doing something. And there's really is no excuse, regardless of where you're at, um, physically, emotionally, and everything to not incorporate some level of physical exercise. Again, that might be going and checking the mail and back. Start slow, but do something and do it at a fairly consistent basis. Ideally, every day doing like 10 minutes of, of walking or some type of exercise. Um, but if I don't make it every day and I'm starting at once a week, then let's start there. But start somewhere. Don't overthink it. Um, you can go out and get yourself a gym membership if you're dealing with depression and great, uh, that that would be a, a good thing to do, but you don't have to do that. Um, I'll do some, some workouts at home that are uh, on YouTube videos. If you just search like beginner strength training or whatever, and you can get you some dumbbells at home. Um, or like I said, tomato cans, water bottles, there are exercises that take absolutely no weight. You can just do some body weight exercises. Or again, walk. If it's cold outside or if it's raining, walk in the house. 
but do something. I cannot overemphasize the fact of physical exercise with your mental health. You have to do something. Um, if, if you're sitting there and you're uh, living an extremely sedentary lifestyle and you're dealing with depression, again, I'm not saying that walking is going to get rid of your depression, but I'm telling you that it will help. There's not a lot of things that I'll say that like you absolutely need to do. You absolutely have to do. Exercise is one of those. We are built that way. And I believe God made us that way, designed us to be active, to be working. Um, and some of that work might just be exercise of, of walking. Go do some gardening. Find something that's fun. Um, maybe you like biking. I don't, I don't know. But I think it's an absolute terrible thing that we've made exercise into this massive chore in our life. Like, oh, I have to go exercise. And again, some of that, like there is some discipline that's involved in that, but go do something fun. Like I said, gardening. It, we're not talking about making you a, a muscle head. Go out and do a tomato plant. Like you have to walk out there and you're outside, which is another kind of key point. We need to get you some sunshine, get you outside a little bit more. But be active. Um, Christians, we, we need to do that too. Uh, you can develop more of a prayer life into that too. Maybe you incorporate uh, walking into like a, to a prayer walk of sorts. Go out and look at God's creation. In our backyard, for instance, we've got uh, some kind of natural trees back behind our fence. It's not our property. Um, but there are some cardinals that live back there. Sometimes I'll just go in the backyard and look at the cardinals. Um, I'm not saying that's a massive exercise regimen at that point, but I had to get up, had to go outside, and I view God's creation with those beautiful red cardinals. It can incorporate a physical exercise in that moment, and, and it turns it into very much into a spiritual exercise, which this is kind of a different topic for a different day, but I don't believe any of these things are separate. Uh, I think that the physical and spiritual always are connected, whether we realize it or not. Um, but I would rather us realize it and, and see God's creation, even in our bodies and our exercise. So you can tell I'm pretty passionate about this. Do not underestimate uh, the need to be physically active with your depression. Along with that, and I know uh, this is not the most fun, uh, fun part here, but eating healthier. Um, Again, if you're eating pizza and, and fried chicken and all that stuff every single night, and don't get me wrong, I like me some pizza and fried chicken. I'm not saying you can't ever eat those things, but those aren't really conducive for us feeling better. Um, incorporate some more fruits and veggies into your life. And, and I'll kind of say this in the same way I talked about with your with your exercise. If you're 67 years old or whatever, and you hate broccoli, you've always hated broccoli, don't go out and eat broccoli. You know you're not going to like it. Find something that you enjoy, whether it's carrots or apples or whatever, especially if it is a raw fruit or vegetable. It's nothing wrong with cooking Um fruits and vegetables, but if you find one or two fruits or vegetables that are raw that you enjoy, start there and just incorporate more of it. The, the great thing, and, and that's why I say raw, is 
pretty much any fruit or vegetable that's raw is going to have very few calories in it. And it's going to be able to fill you up quicker. Like if you put, if you ever look at like a bag of, of carrots, um, like baby carrots or whatever, and I don't know this number, but it's something like 45 calories a serving or something. And the whole bag is only like four servings. Again, go, go do your homework. If you have baby carrots in your fridge, go, go look it up for me. Cause I, I didn't do my homework, but we're talking like that whole bag of carrots is something like, you know, 100, 150 calories. Go ahead and try to eat that whole bag of carrots. Go ahead and try. <laughs> you know, like you're not going to make it through that whole bag of carrots. It really fills you up. And if you have that on your plate, uh, particularly with something that's not as healthy, it's going to slow you down because to eat those carrots, it, it takes some time. To eat an apple, it takes some time. And the longer you give yourself to eat, um, it the less likely you are going to be to overeat. Whereas opposite of that is if you have potato chips or something. Um, I, I'm not going to pre- pretend to guess what the, the calories is on that or how many servings it is, but we all know it's more. And what's worse is not just that it's more, but it doesn't really fill you up. It will eventually, but your brain is kind of developed. Oh, that's good. Go, 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 go. And then all of a sudden you you ate that whole bag and you're full now and you feel gross, but you've also just consumed all of these calories that are just going to make you feel worse. Maybe even gain some weight. And that's going to have some shame with body shame and all that stuff. Whereas if you try to do that with carrots, first off, you're not going to be able to eat that whole bag. And second, even if you did, you just had like a hundred calories. Like it's, it's not that bad. So kind of rambling on that, but incorporate healthier food. Um, it, it really does make a difference with your mental health. Um, and that's not really anything specific for Christians. However, I, I do think that we underplay as Christians that our body is, is a temple. Uh, it, it's a, it's a temple for our savior. And I don't mean to get super legalistic with that, but there is an aspect of that that we need to um, to not take so lightly um, and, and treat the bodies that God gave us with more respect with, with what we put into those bodies. And then the last part that I'll talk about with uh, being active is talking. Um, there, there was some research done that simply talking about your issues is helpful. I see this all the time in my practice that somebody tells me what's been going on in their life, the struggles they're having, and I might offer some insight, but sometimes I don't have a lot to say. I'm I'm just there and I'm listening and they'll walk out of that office and feel so much better. I didn't do anything. I didn't give them some incredible advice that changed their mind, that changed their whole life, but they talked about it. These things that were inside of them, they got them out. And as much as we talked about before of uh, of confessing that sin, this is kind of a similar approach there. We need to do that prayerfully. We need to do that to Christ in our own prayer life. Um, But finding other people in our lives. Maybe that's a counselor. Maybe there's some things that you don't feel comfortable talking about with with some of your friends or, or peers or whatever. That's fine. But I'm going to really encourage you to find people in your life that you can discuss tough things with. And it might be not be the same person for everything. Like 
maybe I have one friend that we talk about this issue uh, over here. And then um, this other issue with my marriage, maybe we go and talk to our pastor um, about that. Find different people. You can talk about different things. And there's going to be some issues that, you know, some people in your life may not need to know about. Um, But you need to find other people in your life that you can share some of these difficult things with. Um, It's really important that we don't just keep that all inside. If you're married and you're keeping everything from your spouse, you're you're not really sharing your struggles or things that you're going through. I'm going to ask you to reevaluate that. Like we need to be able to talk about these things. Again, this is a a way that God created us. Um, We we're not made to just keep it all inside. We need that outlet. So, Really encourage you, whether it's through a counselor, and if if I'm a count, if you're coming to me and talking about an issue, um, I'm going to encourage you long term to find some other people in your life that you can talk to as well. Because um, even if you are seeing a counselor, you only see them for a short amount of time. You you need to have other people in your life uh, outside of a professional. Then the last piece here is having faith. And again, I know this kind of harkens back to some of the criticism people will have on Christians with mental health, um, that just pray it away, uh, you know, just get over it. And I don't mean that. I I mean, having faith that, that God is God and, and that this is his world and that we are going to make it out, uh, of this world, whether it is, going to be a a peaceful time on earth or whether it is all sorts of hecticness and war and all sorts of stuff on on earth. We know that our time on earth is limited and that's where that faith needs to come into. I'm going to read a passage. I included this on my blog. It's a little bit of a longer uh, passage, so bear with me, but this is from Job, um, which if any of you know the story of Job, Job had it rough. He had it rougher than pretty much all of us. So this is from Job 1, 13 through 21. Now there was a day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And there came a messenger to Job and said, the oxen were plowing and the donkeys feeding beside them. And the Sabaeans fell upon them and took them and struck down the servants with the edge of the sword. And I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was yet speaking, there came another and said, The fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them. And I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was yet speaking, there came another and said, The Chaldeans formed three groups and made a raid on the camels and took them and struck down the servants with the edge of the sword. And I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was yet speaking, there came another and said, Your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And behold, a great wind came across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house. And it fell upon the young people, and they are dead. And I alone have escaped to tell you. Then Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head and fell on the ground and worshipped. And he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And then I love this next part. And all of this, Job did not sin 
or charge God with wrong. Just think through that. I mean, wave after wave after wave. I- I'm sure you've all experienced a a week or something where it just seems like everything's going wrong. Maybe you have an issues at work and then your your kids are back talking to you and then oh my goodness the roof is leaking like just all those waves that hit you and that that's hard it's hard to accept that i hope none of you listening to this have experienced anything quite like job wave after wave of devastation we're talking about death like his his life was wrecked upside down and, and let's go back to his response there Naked I came. Oh, sorry, just a second. Um, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Many of you probably have heard the, the song, Blessed Be the Name of the Lord. And I remember singing it uh, as a kid, as a teenager, and it, it's it's catchy. Like, Blessed be the name of the Lord. And there's merit to that but when you read it in its context that job just had basically his whole life stripped from him and he said naked i came from my mother's womb and naked shall i return the lord gave and the lord has taken away blessed be the name of the lord that's faith that is absolute faith and and, and it's not Job in that situation is not saying, oh, golly gee, this is great. Things are going fantastic. No, it mentions in there um, that he, let me see here. Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head and fell on the ground. Like those were very clear grieving type of actions. It's not like he's rejoicing. Yay, hold hands, kumbaya. And I, I think that's something that some of the critiques of uh, Christian counseling or just Christians in general, where if they say, yeah, like just pray it away and and, and then get over it, you're happy. Um, there's some, some meat to that criticism. Um, being a Christian and showing faith doesn't just mean we throw things off or act like nothing happened. No, Job was grieving. He, he was in a rough, rough spot. And throughout Job, you see that, that there's times that he's just exclaiming to God. Um, like in Job 3, he he laments that he was born. I mean, we're talking serious, serious grief and, and lamentation to God. Um, so having faith, again, it doesn't mean that we're happy. Be honest. <laughs> I think we uh, just lost power here. That's. That's fun.